Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we break down all the craziness from this past weekend in college basketball for both the men and the women. Then we look ahead to some conference championships that will begin this week. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a weekend edition of Next Gen Athletics. Thomas, how are you doing, bud? Pretty good. It's been a good weekend. Um, A little bit of rest, relaxation. Um, got to watch some good basketball, so no complaints from me. Absolutely got to agree. It was a pretty fun weekend in college basketball. I'm on spring break back at the house uh, trying to do this remote for the first time, so we'll see how it goes. But we had a great weekend in college basketball, and it started off with number two Alabama falling on the road to number 24 Texas A&M by a final score of 61-67. to 67. You know, Thomas, we split on – Thursday talking about this you picked Alabama and unfortunately the boys fell just short yeah this is a game that um I thought Brandon Miller was going to have just enough in in his tank to get this one done for, for the for the Crimson Tide but um he didn't have the, the greatest game of his of his career um seven to 23 from the field two of 12 from three he did have 19 and 10 so you know we're talking about a guy here that I'm saying he kind of struggled but he had a double double almost a 2010 game so he's a really really good player but um, the shooting splits weren't there for him in this one, and uh, he fouled out late in this one. And I, I think um, this game, you know, maybe goes a little bit differently down the stretch if he's in the game. But Bama was in foul trouble, um, and and it really wasn't. I think that's kind of what the story of this one was down the stretch. Yeah, I got to say, something that kind of goes unsaid is just how poorly a- – oh, excuse me, Alabama played in that first half. I thought A&M's defense was all over them in the first half. Caused a lot of just misses. It felt like at one point there that they went a good stretch of the game in the first half without scoring many buckets. And AM was just scoring consistent offense. You know, they weren't hitting these big flashy threes or even getting to the hoop all that much, but they were hitting shots when they needed to hit shots. Um, I thought that Will Taylor and Tyrese Radford did a really, really great job. Each of them had over 20 points. Um, I think that that's probably one of the get best guard duos in the country. And this is a Texas A&M team now that's playing hot basketball at the right time going into the SEC tournament. Yeah, both those guys um, both shot 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And as a team, they shot 27 of 28 from the line. Um, shooting that well from the line will win you basketball games, especially against really good teams. And Alabama side um, also shot well from the line, but 10 of 11, uh, versus 27 for 28 will not get the job done. So um, A&M definitely played better than Bama on this uh, on Saturday. There's no other way around it, really. Yeah, and the atmosphere down there in College Station was absolutely electric. Uh, a sold-out crowd down there. I mean, that's that's this is nothing else you could ask from those Aggie fans. And this is an Aggie team now that I, I know that last year they had that deep run in the SEC tournament 
But they're going to go into this SEC tournament now as a pretty heavy favorite to win the whole thing. And I'm not sitting here saying they're going to win the whole thing. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But, I mean, this is an Aggie team that I, I would not pick against anybody else in the country right now. This is a team that could potentially cause a lot of problems, not just for teams in the SEC, but teams in the whole country come a little bit later on. Yeah, this is a really good Aggies team. Um, I've kind of slept on them so far on the podcast, not intentionally. I just didn't like the matchups that they were faced with, and both of those times I was wrong about them. So um, I guess I need to give them a little more respect. But really, um, yeah, a great guard pairing and then uh, a really hot team all around. So uh, definitely a scary team as we get further into March. Yeah, and it's just the aggression that they play with, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. We've mentioned time and time again that they get to the free throw line constantly. I mean, they hit 27 of 28 free throws in this game. You're not going to lose many games when you hit 27 free throws. I mean, that's almost 30 free points from the stripe. Um, you know, this is a Texas A&M team that prides themselves on being aggressive, but while they're being aggressive, they don't necessarily get into foul trouble. They're a very, very uh, disciplined team. They're a very sound defensive team. I mean, I, I really do think that this is, could be a, a dark horse, maybe not to win the whole national tournament, but to at least cause some problems for a lot of teams. Yeah, that's definitely not a bad take. This team's hot at the right time, and they play basketball uh, in a very impressive fashion. I like what you're saying there. Very aggressive offensively and defensively, and if they don't get into foul trouble, that is always going to pose problems for the opposing team. This Aggie team takes the win over Alabama. They will begin SEC tournament play this upcoming week. They are the two seed in the SEC. So I know the Aggies and all those fans down there in Texas are going to be very, very excited for that. Getting into our next game, the old next-gen curse struck again. Kansas falls on the road to Texas, excuse me, by a final score of 59-75. to 75. Thomas, we mentioned it just a couple minutes ago off air. This was a, a Kansas team that we had said on Thursday we felt wasn't going to do the same thing they had done in the past and not score consistently. Well, that is exactly what happened. Yeah, they had two points through the first four and a half minutes. Um, their scoring woes continued throughout the game, had multiple stretches that just they weren't able to get the ball in the basket. And I think that really falls on um, everybody other than Jalen Wilson. Um, Jalen Wilson is – a phenomenal player, one of the best players in the country. He's not the most efficient guy. He gets up at a lot of shots, and a lot of times they do fall. Um, he's averaging almost 20 points per game on the year and, and shooting over 40%, but um, he, he takes a lot of shots. He's the premier scorer in this offense. That's that's a lights-out electric offense, and um, he, he, can, he can win games for this team, uh, but he cannot beat top 10 teams by himself with no help, and he had no help. Um, they, they had nobody else in double figures. And this is a Kansas team that me and you have talked about uh, multiple times on this podcast now about how they can score in bunches. Uh, we're never surprised to see them. If they even put up, a, you know, 100 points, if they're in triple digits, it doesn't really shock us. This team is uh, one of the premier offensive teams in the in college basketball. And for them to have nobody in double figures outside of Jalen Wilson, um, they won't win many games like that, especially now that each game means more. Uh, teams are trying to play harder. Teams are trying to win. Um, to keep their season alive. Um, Kansas cannot afford to to do this anymore at this point in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it, I think the interesting thing here that kind of flies under the radar is if you look at Kansas from top to bottom and you look at Texas from top to bottom, honestly, the box scores are really consistent until you get to the very bottom at your boy, Serge Barry Rice, who had 23 in this game. 
you know, you've got two offenses who's had starters score over 20 points, but the only difference is one one team had a guy off the bench have a lot of points. We've talked about Serge Barry Rice kind of being that guy off the bench who could potentially be a sixth man of the year, if we're being really honest, just a spark plug off the bench. And that's the difference in this game. You know, Kansas just just couldn't get any help, and, and Texas had one more guy show up and, and show up in a really, really big way. So the Longhorns, you know, we, we had mentioned that there wasn't a lot that they could potentially win from this game. However, games around the, the Big 12 went their way, and they finished second in the conference. A Texas team that a week ago was really, really struggling. And, and so this is a really big win going into conference play in, in just a couple of days. Yeah, and this is just a weird one for me for Kansas. Um, you know, they didn't have much to gain from this game. Um, you never want to, you know, lose a game, obviously. You never want to hurt momentum. Um, I said going in this one, they were one of the hottest teams in the country. And you, you, I kind of look at this box score and who's getting minutes. And they played seven guys off the bench, which is kind of strange for them. Um, but none of those guys played a lot. They played in kind of garbage time. They had most of their starters up near 30 minutes uh, on this game. And that's kind of odd um, considering, like, you know, we see it in the NFL. We see it um, in the NBA towards the end of the season whenever teams aren't playing for much anymore. They'll rest their starters a little bit, um, get those backups in to, you know, get some extra shots or whatever it might be. But um, Kansas really relied on these starters for most of this game. And still they weren't even close to, to – beating Texas. And so uh, this is one that, you know, if they get into conference tournament play and they're struggling to get shots to fall, if they look tired, they look gassed. Um, I'll kind of look back at this game and say, maybe that was some poor uh, management by, by the coaches, but um, luckily for them, they have a little break because uh, they have those buys. They, they won the regular season title. And this is not a game that I'm going to look back. Um, and, and, you know, as I'm picking uh, for the, national bracket and picking my March Madness bracket. I'm not looking back at this game and kind of fault them for this game. Uh, this is one that I'm kind of going to write off is just a, a one-off game. They're still a really good team. Um, I've been kind of confident in most of these big 12 um, teams' ability to bounce back from losses, even if it's multiple losses. We saw Kansas go through that stretch earlier. We've seen Texas now go through that stretch. Um, Iowa State even has gone through a stretch like that recently. And um, these teams are still really good teams that are able to win games. And so this game doesn't hurt Kansas too much um, right now, but if it affects them, you know, in the conference tournament, then maybe you look back at this game and it's kind of the start of the, of the fall for them. I agree. I think it's really kind of weird almost that that they did utilize the bench as much as they did, but not for very long. It seems as though to me, honestly, that that maybe they thought about it for a little bit and then decided against going to the bench and just kind of scrapping the game which I think is almost poor coaching, but I can't say I was there. I can't say I was in the locker room kind of understanding what was happening. So, you know, Bill Self is an unbelievable coach, and, and who am I to question him? However, I do think that it is kind of strange, you know, a, a lot of times when teams will fall like they did, uh, you see them just kind of scrap the game and say, listen, we're not going to lose anything, guys. Like, come here, Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, uh, a couple other of our starters, and, and get some rest. We, we need to – refresh your legs we need to get healthy and we need to get ready to go for the the big 12 tournament this upcoming weekend so i do think that it is kind of weird but texas did kind of a similar thing almost uh they did use a couple more guys off the bench more frequently um however you do have a lot of guys getting into that last minute um just kind of as a nod to say thank you for being on the team thank you for being that walk-on who you know was a practice kind of guy all year long and, and really was um 
just kind of there to fill a, a spot up if you're being really honest. But this is a Texas team who gets a huge win uh, in a next-gen curse game. Kansas fans, apologize for that. Uh, Texas gets the win 75-59. to 59. Moving into our last game of the weekend, uh, a West Coast thriller. UCA gets the win at home over Arizona 82-73. to 73. This game was one that I um, was pretty confident in UCLA. Um, I mentioned Kansas is one of the hottest teams in the country. UCLA is right up there with them as one of the hottest teams in the country, and they still are. This is a big win for them. Um, they finished their season undefeated at home, which is always a, a huge, huge accomplishment. It's really hard to do, um, and, and they were able to do it this year. And this game, you know, past the, you know, the second half starting was never really close. They got up to a decently sized lead. Um, they went to the half only up three, but then they, they grew that lead to 11 with all the first two minutes of the second half and they never looked back. So um, a great, great game from UCLA here. Yeah, I got to agree. And if, you know, we, we break down the box scores a lot because basketball is a very individual performance kind of game. One guy can really take over and change the game. And, and you look at it for Arizona, they had two bellas, their ace, their go-to guy who, who plays phenomenally. He had 24 points and 10 rebounds. I mean, arguably the best player in the country right now. Um, but on the flip side, for UCLA had a guy in Jaquez and, and Tiger Campbell, who I feel like have been there for years and years and years, both of them having over 20 points, just kind of big time guys playing in big time games. This is the time of year now that you really rely on those veteran guys to step up and lead to your squad. And, and that's what UCLA got in this game. You saw guys who had been in the big time moment, guys who had played in the final four a couple of years ago, kind of step up and take over this game. Yeah. And I'll say this about, um, about UCLA, they did a really cool thing in this game where they, they started all seniors and, you know, it was senior day for them. And, you know, a lot of times in high school, you'll see something like that where all, all the seniors will start. But in a game this big, um, where you're playing a top 10 team, to start seniors that really haven't played much all year um, is really impressive. The fact that they were able to do that and um, still win the game is also just a really cool thing to see. Uh, they struggled at first in this game, which is no surprise just due to the fact they had guys that aren't used to playing in the game. Um, but, you know, shout out to, to UCLA for, for really getting senior day and getting those seniors involved and um, and getting the win, too. It's, it's really hard to beat a good Arizona team like this. And I'll say this about this game, too. Um, really high scoring for what I expected. I know that Arizona has a premier offense, and so if you told me this game was going to be a high-scoring one, I would have said uh, that Arizona is probably going to be the team to win. UCLA is more of a defensive-minded team and um, kind of high scoring for UCLA standards. Yeah, I got to agree, especially if you look at the reverse fixture where Arizona got the win 58 to 52. I just think that this was kind of a a slugfest almost. I think the, the Pac-12 took the opportunity in this game to just kind of showcase how good these two teams are. I mean, this is a UCLA team now that thanks to a couple losses um, from Kansas and, um, excuse me, Alabama, are going to jump up to probably that two spot. They're, they're one of the best teams in the country, have quietly performed extremely well all year, and a team that I think deserves a lot more credit than what they're getting. Um, you know, honestly, after a Houston almost blunder today, went in on a buzzer beater at Memphis, I feel like they could potentially even jump to that number one overall spot right now. Um, this is a UCLA team who's been unbelievable all year, like we mentioned. This is a team that is hot at the right time and, and could potentially – almost be a dark horse without being a dark horse. I feel like a lot of times those West Conference teams, just they just don't get enough love like they deserve. And UCLA is definitely one of those teams right now. 
definitely the case. Um, we, I talked about it last episode that East Coast bias, um, the late games can kind of get you. And um, for all our listeners out there, do not sleep on this Bruins team. Um, I can't make any promises. March is March is madness. Um, but UCLA is a team that. If you're looking at your bracket, trying to figure out who you think can win this this whole thing, UCLA is a team that needs to be in that conversation. And I think Arizona is another team that deserves to be in that conversation as well. Like we mentioned, they're a very, very good scoring offensive team. They're a good defensive team as well. Arizona is another team that I think is, is going to get slept on a lot in their brackets, um, but is another team that I think could potentially make a deep run in the tournament and, and cause some problems for teams, especially on the East Coast, who maybe are, are a flashier kind of – um, let it fly from three team because this is an Arizona team who relies heavily on the play of big men and they're a very very tough defensive team I watched a lot of their their game against USC on Thursday and, and it was just get the ball inside and dominate USC and you know sure we'll let USC shoot a couple threes and, and maybe they'll hit them but we're just going to go right down the floor and get two points or we're going to get an open three shot to and hit it so this is another Arizona team that I think could be a big problem for a lot of teams. And, and, you know, we could potentially see this matchup again, depending on how the, how the brackets break out here in in a week. Yeah, I definitely would like to see this matchup um, again, hopefully in the PAC 12 championship or um, something along those lines. I'd love to see this, this, these two teams play again, two premier teams in college basketball. And um, I really, I really do think both these teams are very good um, and um, can win the big games too. Arizona. Like I said, in last episode was five and going into this game against, uh, ranked teams and so they, they know how to beat good teams um, and UCLA knows how to compete with the best of the best as well so two really good teams going forward absolutely but just to remind you guys UCLA gets the win at home over Arizona 82 to 73 we're gonna move away from the men's side of basketball for just a minute to shout out some women's champions in the ACC Virginia Tech dominated from wire to wire beating Everybody in their way by double-digit points. They took down Louisville today to win their first-ever SACC championship. In the SEC, South Carolina dominated just like we thought they would. They took down Tennessee today to win a second consecutive SEC championship. In the Big Ten, Iowa dominated as well. Indiana was an early out and was pretty surprised by that, Um, but I did pick Iowa to win that, so... Um, I think this is an Iowa team that could potentially cause some problems and make some noise in the tournament, but they get the win in the Big Ten Championship. And finally, in upset fashion, Washington State wins the Pac-12. Both USC, Utah, and Stanford were out early, and that caused uh, Washington State to get the win over UCLA today to win the Pac-12 Championship. And I, I know we didn't say the Big 12. That's because the Big 12 has not happened yet, so we will be updating you guys As that occurs. Now, we're going to move away and we're going to get into some previews. This is by far the best time of the year, and that is because we are officially in March Madness time. There are conference tournaments happening right now. Some of the big conferences, the Power Six, have you, will start later on this week. But we do have some automatic bids already. Thomas, who has already qualified for the tournament? So starting off with the A-Sun, um, we had a championship game earlier today. It was Kennesaw State versus Liberty, the number one and number two seed, acting like lawnmowers, eating up everything beneath them. But Kennesaw State wins a close one against Liberty today, so they will be going dancing here soon. Um, in the Big South, we had UNC Asheville take down Campbell today. Um, Campbell did go on a Cinderella run. Campbell was 
um, the seven seed in this conference, and UNC Asheville was the one. Um, so UNC, UNC Asheville kind of ended that Cinderella run early, um, and in, and now they're looking to make their own Cinderella run in the tournament. In the Missouri Valley, we have uh, Drake taking down Bradley. This was the, a matchup of the number one and number two teams, similar to the A-Sun. Um, but in this one, it wasn't even close. Drake kind of dominated this one from the start, and they will be going dancing here soon. In the Northeast, there has not been a winner of the conference yet. Um, but like we talked about last time, some of those teams just aren't eligible because they're recently added to the Division One. And so um, on Tuesday, Farley Dickinson and Merrimack are going to be playing for the championship. But Merrimack is not eligible to go dancing. So Farley Dickinson has clinched their spot in the tournament. And then in the Ohio Valley Conference, Southeast Missouri State, whereas the announcers like to say SEMO um, won uh, yesterday, actually, against Tennessee Tech. Um, Southeast Missouri State was the five seed in this one. Tennessee Tech was the two seed. They won an OT, a great game yesterday. Um, and so we have five teams already that have clinched their spot and uh, set or 27 more to go. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, like we mentioned, it is the best time of the year. I know I'm super, super excited. So let's dive into some of the big tournaments now. We'll start in the ACC. You've got your number one overall team in Miami, uh, Clemson, or excuse me, Virginia is the two. Clemson is three. Duke is four. That rounds out that top four. They get the first two weekdays off on a bye. Thomas, you know, this is this is going to be a very interesting ACC tournament because we saw so many teams at the very top, kind of almost those first seven that were just kind of miles above everybody else. So what is some some teams that we can expect to maybe make some noise in the tournament? Um, I think some teams that you can look for to, to cause some problems um, at the 11 seed, Virginia Tech. Um, they've been competitive with a lot of teams all year. Um, they've been really good, um, beating some good teams, staying competitive with some good teams. And uh, their their record does not define how good they are. We saw that last year with them as well. Um, at the 10 seed as well, Boston College, um, they got their, their their star player back recently. And they were a team that was bad for most of the year um, without their guy. They finally get him back, start winning some games. Um, and now they're the 10 seed um, going against Louisville. So that they're looking pretty favorable in that first round matchup. And then um, some some more day two teams that you can look out for. Um, Pitt is the five. Um, and just yesterday on Saturday, they were playing for the for the top spot in this conference. So um, Pitt, unfortunately, just the way things were with the with their head-to-head matchups, slipped in the rankings because of that loss to Miami. They, they dropped from uh, tied for first to fifth. And so – they're still a really good team despite that that number five seed. And also, um, I like North Carolina as another team to, to look out for. Um, North Carolina has been pretty uh, good for most of the, the last few part of the, the last few weeks, really, the season. And this was a, a team that was number one coming into the season. So uh, UNC is still a team that's got a lot of talent with them. And, um, you know, they, they went on a run last year in March. That was unexpected. So you can always expect that from them this year. I got to agree. I mean, this is an absolutely loaded ACC tournament. I look at it from top to bottom, and and I like what you mentioned. You've got Virginia Tech. You've got NC State, UNC, Pitt, Miami, Duke, Virginia, Clemson, maybe even Wake Forest or Syracuse if they get hot at the right time. That I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they went on a run. If you're a team like Virginia, I mean, you're quaking in your boots right now. You've either got to play UNC, Louisville, or Boston College. They just lost to Boston College and UNC by double digits and barely beat Louisville. Um, I think that 
you know, typically in the past, we've almost seen the the Cavaliers kind of struggle in the tournament format. I just don't think that the way they play basketball necessarily favors the quick turnaround that they have to do in the ACC tournament. Now, mind you, they do have that that advantage of being a third day team, but that is going to be um, a team that I think could potentially let a lot of people down. I think a team that I think could potentially surprise a lot of people is UNC. I really would not be surprised to see UNC wind up playing in that final. Um, I think that they're in by far the easiest side of the bracket. If you're, you know, 10, 15, 11, 14, 8, 7, 2, and 3, you're definitely glad you're not in that top half of the bracket. I, I think that that's definitely the easier side of the bracket for teams like Virginia Tech, UNC, NC State, Clemson, Virginia, uh, I, I think that they'll be glad that they are there. However, I, I don't necessarily think the winner is going to come from there. If I had to pick, I, I would probably say Miami. Um, and I know that that's probably an easy pick considering they're the number one overall team in the ACC right now. They do have that number one spot. However, I just have been really impressed with Miami this year. Honestly, they're they're one of my dark horses to really make some noise in the tournament. And I know I've said that about a couple teams now, but um, I, I just have been pretty impressed by what I've seen from Miami so far this year. Miami definitely has been the best team in the ACC all year, it feels like. Um, and I, I like what you're saying about the, the bottom half of this, uh, this bracket being the easier side, two and three. Um, you know, I was kind of worried. Um, it looked like for a while Clemson was going to be matched up with a second, uh, a first round matchup for them against Duke, and um, that's not a team I wanted to play in, in our first game in the conference tournament. But looking at things now, Clemson has a much easier path than I expected. Um, not that it's easy, but it's easier, um, and so I'm, I'm definitely rooting on the Tigers in this one. But um, if I had to make a pick unbiased, it'd be Duke. Um, Miami's a really good team. I think that's going to be a matchup we see in the semifinal. Um, but but Duke. Is the hottest team in the ACC right now. They've won six straight. Um, they're they're playing their their best basketball all year. This is a team that year in year out you can count on being a good team. And this year they were kind of a letdown for most of the season. Um, but at this point in, in the in the year, Duke is, is second to none in the ACC in my opinion. Um, so I, I think Duke probably makes the championship. Um, and then I'm hoping that. Uh, I'm hoping Clemson can win it. Obviously, I'd love to pick Clemson in this one. I, I don't think it's uh, impossible for Clemson to win this, but I don't think it's likely. I think Duke's the most likely team to win this conference. Yeah, I got to agree. Duke, Duke is playing really, really good basketball at this time of the year at, at the right time. I know Shire and them have been kind of inconsistent at, at points this this season so far, but they've definitely um, kicked it up a notch going into the tournament. I think a dark horse, and I'm going to show my favoritism here, is Virginia Tech. I mean, this is a Virginia Tech team that if you look at their kind of their road, they have to play Notre Dame. Then they'll, if they win, they would have to play NC State. Once again, if they win, they'd have to play Clemson. And then it, it's uncertain from there. This is a Virginia Tech team, though, that I think if they can get hot, they've beaten teams at the very, very top. They've beaten teams like they, they beat Duke. They beat UNC. They beat Virginia. They beat Pitt. They almost beat Clemson twice. Um, this is a, a, a very good Virginia Tech basketball team that – you know, has underperformed to say the least so far this year, obviously sitting there at the 11 seed. And for a little bit at the beginning of the year, they were the number one team in the conference. And a lot of people thought they could go back to back. However, the way the Hokies play offense in a tournament format just suits them very well. I think that Virginia Tech is a team that could potentially cause some upsets. I'm not necessarily thinking they're going to win the whole thing, but I really would not be surprised if they, they beat 
Notre Dame and maybe even NC State before falling to Clemson, or or maybe even they get past the Tigers. Um, I know you definitely don't want that to happen as Clemson is um, on, on the coattails of the NCAA tournament at this point. Um, however, I don't know how Clemson wouldn't get in, to be really honest with you, being the third best team in the ACC. I mean, that I know that Duke and Pitt and UNC are probably going to get in. So I, I feel like Clemson needs to get in. Um, and if they don't, I'd be very, very interested to see how they don't. But, um, you know, just to just to kind of throw out a dark horse out there, I really would not be shocked if Virginia Tech went on a little run there. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm not get too much into it because I'll get flustered. But, um, yeah, Clemson deserves to be in the three seed in the ACC almost every year. I don't know the stat exactly. I, I would be willing to say that 90 percent of the time, the three seed in the ACC makes the tournament, if not 100 percent of the time. Um, and Clemson has some bad losses, but they're still a good team. Um, th- this is uh, a tournament that usually um, you don't see day one teams um, going on crazy, crazy runs. I do think Virginia Tech is a team that could pull off an upset. Um, but usually it's the day two teams that we see going on some runs that shock people. And um, I, I already mentioned a few day two teams that I think are really good. But really, um, all the day two teams I think are very good teams that could that could beat anybody. Uh, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Pitt, UNC, NC State are all teams that have competed with really good teams. Um and Wake Forest at one point was challenging for, you know, a top four team. NC State was right there at the end of the season. Uh, this is a conference that doesn't have the same top end talent as a lot of other conferences, but it is um, fairly even across the board, it feels like. And it, it's really hard to, to pinpoint one team that could win this conference. Um, if I'd pick another dark horse, I guess I would lean towards Pitt. They, they shouldn't be a dark, a dark horse. They were, like I said, they were a one seed just yesterday. They were tied for the one seed. But now they're a day two team that has to play an extra game. Um, that hurts for for the Panther fans out there, but um, man, I, I am I am scared for for a lot of these teams that um, might have that that two round buy, like uh, the Miami Duke, Virginia, Clemson. Sure, they have that two round buy, and that's always nice. You have to you don't have to worry about getting out earlier, but you do have to worry about a team getting hot. You know, uh, every team that's that's playing them is coming off of a win, um, and you know we've talked about it before. Winning breeds winning. Uh, Winning breeds winning. Sorry, um, winning breeds winning. And so, um, it, you know, one of these teams just gets a, gets hot at the right game. Uh, next thing you know, they're they're upsetting you know a one through four seed. And so, um, this is a conference that is really hard to pinpoint. I expect a lot of upsets in this one. Yeah, I gotta agree. I mean, we saw it last year with Virginia Tech. They were a day two team. They got hot at the right time, and they went off and beat Notre Dame, UNC, and Duke, three of the best teams that are, are consistently playing at the top of the ACC. I know Notre Dame's kind of had an off year, and and UNC to some standards, but typically those are kind of the top teams. And, and so, I really do like what you're saying. I don't think it's going to be one of these top four teams playing in a conference final. I really don't. I really would not be surprised to see UNC or Pitt especially make that final just because I think those are really good basketball teams and and on another year, maybe they're a top team, but I I like what you're saying there about the ACC being really good kind of from top to bottom. I think if you took a lot of these teams in the ACC and put them in some other conferences without probably the big 12, just because the big 12 is just elite this year, they probably would do pretty well, but this is going to be a really exciting tournament. This gets started on Tuesday and will finish on Saturday. So they get started a day early. Uh, just because of the sheer amount of teams they have, uh, 15 in total. So this is going to be a really exciting tournament in the ACC. We're going to move to the SEC now. Another tournament that I think we could see some pretty big 
upsets. You've got Alabama at the one, Texas A&M at the two, Kentucky at the three, and Missouri at the four. So you've got teams like Auburn and Tennessee and Arkansas, honestly, who earlier in the year looked like surefire uh, top teams that would be competing for for conference championships. So this is going to be a really interesting tournament that's going to get started on Wednesday. It definitely will be. Um, that that one team that scares me the most um, for for you know their fan base is Tennessee. Um, they've lost their last five away games. Um, they've really relied on that home crowd to carry them through the end of the season, and. Um, that's not a recipe for success. Um, you can't win the whole thing. Uh, you can't win the SEC tournament. You can't win the, the national championship without being able to compete uh, outside of your home arena. And that, that's been Tennessee's problem uh, as of late. And so if I'm a volunteer fan, uh, I'm kind of worried about playing on day two. Um, I know they're playing a relatively easy opponent in Ole Miss or South Carolina, but they're struggling on the road right now. And, that's, that's just a scary sight um, for them. But uh, there's one team here that kind of surprises me, um, and that, that's Mizzou being the four. Um, I, I kind of wasn't very aware of, of their season um, for most of it. And then uh, recently they've kind of made that push. They've won um, their last four games, which is the longest streak um, going into this tournament. So uh, Missouri's a really hot team right now, um, probably one of the hottest teams in the SEC. And so they're a team that, um, you know, Alabama might need to be looking out for come semifinals. Yeah, I got to agree. I was a little surprised when I saw Missouri there, and then I looked at their record. And, you know, they're a good team. I think they're one of those sneaky good teams. I know – I think another team that kind of surprised me was Kentucky at the three – um, another team that I wasn't necessarily sold on for much of the year. Even now, I'm still not sold on them, but uh, they kind of snuck in there with a good conference record. Um, you know, this is going to be a really interesting tournament, though. You've got matchups like Auburn, Arkansas, honestly, South Carolina, Ole Miss, and the winner getting Tennessee. I think those are going to be really fascinating games to see kind of what translates to a tournament. Because, you know, you're, you're out there in Nashville, so you've got teams like Tennessee and Vanderbilt, then their fans will probably travel well. And I know a lot of these fan bases are are crazy and they'll travel well. But, you know, when I think of kind of the elite fan bases, I think of Alabama, Tennessee, you know, maybe Texas A&M, Auburn, Florida. But I don't I don't expect a lot of those teams I just named to be playing later in the the weekend to get the opportunity for their fans to travel. So I think it's going to be important for these teams to take advantage of a true neutral site early. Like if you're a South Carolina or an Ole Miss person, I mean, you can't go to Nashville on a Wednesday afternoon to watch your team play. That's just how it is. I mean, I'm on spring break, but I'm still not going to Nashville to watch the South Carolina Gamecocks play just because I've got other things I've got to do. That takes a lot of time and money. I know a lot of people have school, have work, so they're not going to be able to get out there. So I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how these teams perform pretty much in front of almost an empty arena because I think that that's really going to show what team is better because, you know, I know for South Carolina and Ole Miss, as funny as it is, the road team won both games. Right. Ole Miss beat South Carolina and South Carolina beat Ole Miss. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, particularly in that matchup, that day one matchup, kind of what team takes advantage of the fact that they're playing in a neutral site and what team just kind of dominates early. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
it's a shame that these tournaments take place when they do. It's hard to get there if you're a true fan of these teams. I looked back a, a while back trying to figure out if I could go to the Clemson um, ACC tournament. It's, it's just difficult to do that as a fan. It takes traveling. It takes money. It takes time away from uh, work or school. And, and, you know, most people just don't have that ability. And so um, I, I think maybe, you know, on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, um, you, you have a good chance of, you know, maybe being able to travel to those. But on that Wednesday, Thursday, first, second round, um, teams need to take advantage of the fact that they're playing – in a you know no advantage situation where it's just basketball um you're just playing team in front of you uh, there's not much noise in either direction you're just out there trying to do your best to continue your season um but you know i, I look at this conference and i think for most of the year um up until you know like february really um tennessee seemed like they were going to run away with the conference um and I, i've already talked about them just being cold right now um they're not a, a team that i would be willing to bet much uh on at this situation um in this in this tournament and so um, you kind of got to look for who's hot at the right time, um, who's been winning games on the road a lot, um, and, and that, that that sort of thing. And I think when I look at teams that are the best um, in, big, in big games and uh, on the road, and, and just like the perfect combination of, um, you know, what, what makes up a good team, I think the teams I like, I like the most are, are genuinely um, three of the top four. I really like Alabama A&M and Missouri. Um, they've all been fairly – or Alabama and A&M have been very good on the road. They're really good teams all around. And then both of them have uh, been in a lot of big games. Uh, A&M hasn't lost to a ranked team yet. Um, and then Missouri has a positive record against ranked teams this year. They've won four straight, and they're not the best team on the road. They're in the 500 on the road. But um, they've still – they've won a lot of big games. They know how to play those big games. And so – uh, th- those three teams are all really competitive. And then I feel like Auburn's a team that's almost been cheated out of a, of a top seed here. Um, I know that the seven, they're not necessarily um, right on the edge of being you know, top four, but they've lost some games that were just close nail biters that just didn't go their way. Uh, I think about that Alabama game where I felt like they um, really were just competing throughout that entire game. I thought they really had that one um, going in their favor. I think back to that first Tennessee game when, Final score was forty six to forty three, and and really they should have probably won that game. I mean, uh, a score in the forties in college basketball is crazy. And then uh, they have another close loss to to Vanderbilt. And so this Auburn team is one that I think is underrated in this conference. This is a team that I, I think can compete with anybody in this conference and um, has the ability to beat anybody in this conference. And so um, I'll start off with my dark horse um, in the SEC is going to be Auburn. Yeah, I definitely like that pick. I think Auburn is kind of underperformed without underperforming by a lot of standards this year. They've lost a lot of games. They probably shouldn't have by single digits. They've just kind of fallen short in the big moment. So I definitely don't disagree with that pick. I was honestly pretty surprised to see that they were as low as they were when I was checking rankings and scheduling and all that about a week ago. I'm going to go with my dark horse is Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt loves to beat big time teams, right? They, they have that big time buzzer beater against Tennessee. They beat Auburn, like you mentioned. They beat Kentucky. I know they played Bama pretty well, um, with the exception of, of the one time they played and they lost by 60 points, if I'm correct. I think that was Vanderbilt at least. Um, so, you know, the Vanderbilt is a team that I think could potentially cause some cause some problems. They'll get the winner of LSU and Georgia. I expect them to get past them. Um, and then they get to Kentucky, a Kentucky team that they won on a last second shot about two weeks ago. Uh, Kentucky will be looking to get revenge, but a Vanderbilt team that will have a game under their belt, have probably a win under their belt. And and so I, I think Vanderbilt could be another team as a, kind of my dark horse 
pick to um, maybe not win the whole thing, but definitely make some noise and, and put their name out there as a at-large bid to get into the tournament. Yeah, Vanderbilt is a great pick there. Um, they're one of the hottest teams in the SEC as well. Um, I'm kind of looking back at their schedule right now. And um, since we, we all remember, you know, Alabama loves to beat up on teams after they lose. Um, so Alabama beat Vanderbilt on January 31st, 101 to 44. Since that day, Vanderbilt has lost one game and it was on the road to LSU. Um, they lost one game in February. They haven't lost in March yet. This is a Vanderbilt team that really and truly has propelled themselves to, um, I, I haven't really seen them in the bubble watch, but um, at the sixth seed, if, if they can get to the semifinal, um, if they can, you know, maybe sneak into that championship, they are, for in my opinion, a team that deserves a chance. Um, I, I love to see hot teams in March more so than um, a team that started off good and then got cold towards the end of the year. And Vanderbilt's a really good team. That's a re- that's a really good pick, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of your pick there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like I, every time I watch Vanderbilt play, they're doing something pretty crazy. They're beating Tennessee. They're beating Kentucky. I think that this is a, a well-coached team. This is a very well-put-together team. And I think that they're just one of those teams that in a tournament format could potentially do really, really well. They could be – uh, another Texas A&M from what we saw last year. So they'll definitely be looking to put themselves as an at-large bid. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and make my pick as far as winning the whole SEC tournament. Um, I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I think that Texas A&M is my favorite right now just because they're playing really, really well at this time of the year. Um, they're just such an athletic, aggressive basketball team that in a tournament format, having to turn around so quickly and play a team like AM, I think that they're just such a tough out. So I- I'm going to go with Texas AM as my favorite right now and my pick to win the SEC tournament. That's a, that's a really good pick. Um, that's one that I would pick if it weren't for the fact that I don't want to curse them. Um, I, I, I don't want to bring in the next-gen curse into the, in the conference tournament play. So I'm not going to do it here. That, that's a really good pick. I think Texas a and is probably um, playing like one of the best teams in the conference um, for sure right now. Um, but I'm going to go with Alabama. Um, this is an Alabama team who, like I said earlier, um, they bounced back from losses um, extremely well. Uh, they just lost their last game to a and I-, I feel worried for the winner of uh, Mississippi State and Florida. Winner of that game is in for a beating I, I, I'm afraid <laughs> and so I think they win that game and I think um, I, I think they're going to win by enough in that one that it's going to propel them um, they might have to go down to the wire against uh, in the semifinals or in the championship but I think um, they, they are able to bounce back from that loss um, and they're doing they're able to do enough to get the championship so I'm going to go with Alabama here definitely a safe and smart pick if it hadn't been for their struggles as of late, I would probably agree with you in Alabama. I think that they're a really, really good basketball team. They're a very dangerous basketball team. Um, but a team that just as of late with, with some off-field problems has just kind of struggled. It Maybe it's not the off-field problems, but you know, with the time that they're occurring and the time that they're kind of struggling, I think that those are just kind of you know a coincidence that might be too good to call a coincidence. Um, but Alabama is an unbelievable basketball team. You do got to feel for the the winner of Mississippi State and Florida because typically when Alabama loses, they go out and hammer the next team. 
So, you know, but at the same time, after they hammer the next team, they normally kind of fall off. So if you're, you know, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, or Missouri, you've got to feel pretty good about that fact, at least. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the, the how the tide respond to a loss on the road to Texas A&M and, and how exactly they play in a tournament format. Because I know we keep going back to that, and I know people at home are probably listening and going, well, what does that necessarily mean? Okay, so what we mean by that is when you're playing in a tournament, right, especially in the conference tournament, you're playing back to back to back to back to back. Okay, so there's no time to go to the practice gym and and focus on, okay, well, Alabama's got, you know, this guy, this guy, and this guy. So we got to really make sure we guard them. No, no, no. You just put your best five on the floor and you hope that you can go win the ball game. There's a little bit of preparation that goes into it, obviously, beforehand. And there's probably some some film that's done probably the day leading up to the game. However, there's just there's not a lot that you could do in that kind of preparation time. So when we say a tournament format, we mean that quick turnaround. You're going in this case, literally the next day to play. So a team like Alabama that can score in so many different ways and score the basketball in bunches. Um, when we say that it's tough to stop that in a tournament format, that's what we mean. Um, just that in the quick turnaround, it can be difficult to uh, really go down and break down how you can beat this t- Alabama team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're meeting in, in probably a, a hotel um, meeting room. Um, you're kind of just going through the motions a little bit. Um, I mean, I know whenever I'm on vacation, staying in a hotel, life kind of slows down a little bit. and It doesn't really feel like you're, you know, in, in the normal flow of things. And so you, you got to get used to, you know, uh, I go play a game. Next thing you know, I'm going to go back to the hotel. And I mean, I'm just at a hotel with my, with my best friends. Like it's like it's a completely different atmosphere than if you're um, you know, you, you play a game on Tuesday and you have until Saturday to rest up and get ready for that game. Um, and then I, I want to say this, uh, I've been watching some of the conference tournaments and something that can, can really win games for teams is coaching in, in these games. Um, you don't have much preparation, but a lot of these games end up being close. They're both teams are laying it all, all on the line. Some of these teams are really trying to just like continue their season, um, really for these, you know, probably the eight through 14 here. If they lose, they're done for the year unless they get into the NIT or something like that. So they're trying to propel their season. And so these games are really close, really competitive. And I watched a game yesterday um, where Wofford um, had three seconds to, to – they were down one, had three seconds on their own baseline. And they were able to move the ball up the court in two seconds, and they had an out-of-bounds play on their own baseline, and they won the game. Um, that's coaching. That's drawing up plays in, in a little bit of time. And so what something that – you know, me and you can't predict is what these coaches have in their mind that they're ready to execute on on a moment's notice that they've been saving up all year for this this exact time. And so, um, me and you're kind of picking off of what team's been hot recently, but uh, or team's been good recently. But a lot of times, these these conference tournament games can be decided on what coach has that that perfect play drawn up for the perfect moment. Yeah, that's a great take, and that's a great point. You know, we don't always think about coaches when it comes down to games like this. However, you're right. I mean, you think about all the times that your team has gotten an out-of-bounds play or they've gotten a chance at at a bucket for, you know, just a a, a last-second shot or, like you mentioned, in the Wofford game where you've got to get the ball up to court in a certain amount of time and you've got to have the perfect – perfect plan pretty much. So, you know, it does come down to coaching a lot of the times. And I think the two teams that you and I picked, Nate Owens and Buzz Williams, are phenomenal coaches. I know Buzz Williams a little better uh, just because he was at Virginia Tech for so long. And, and he's a phenomenal coach. And I, I know the same is true for for Nate Owens and a lot of these coaches. Obviously, you've got John Calipari uh, down there at Kentucky and, and one of the best college basketball coaches of all time. So this conference is riddled with great coaches from top to bottom. 
And I would be uh, a safe to assure you that uh, this is going to be a very, very good tournament. This is going to be an exciting battle between coaches to coaches, players to players, fans to fans. The SEC is always just um, pretty much rivalry riddled uh, across the board. You've got teams like Alabama and um, Tennessee, Alabama and Auburn, South Carolina and Tennessee, uh, Georgia and South Carolina, Texas A&M and Alabama, just all over the place. You've got these little rivalries that aren't necessarily rivalries um, that that just kind of make the SEC as exciting as it possibly can be. So just to remind you guys, those games are going to get started on Wednesday and they will run through until Sunday. Moving into the Big 12, there is um, a pretty interesting format in the Big 12. So they've got 10 teams. And so Kansas and Texas are the only two teams right now being the one and the two that don't know who they will play. Kansas will get the winner of West Virginia and Texas Tech, and Texas will get the winner of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. So get a little bedlam rivalry to start the start the day off. But these are teams from top to bottom that I would not be shocked if they ended up winning the entire tournament. Yeah, so I really wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, we saw Oklahoma and, and Texas Tech in this this championship. Both these teams, <laughs> I mean, have won big games this year. And um, it, the weird thing in this conference is it's been so reliant on the ability to win home games. Um, I feel like so many times this year, um, the the top team or or the favorite team has gone down because they're playing on the road. This team, this this conference, um, really as a whole has just been dominant at home. And so none of these teams are really positive on the road. The only team that's won more games on the road than they've lost is, is Kansas. And then Baylor is 500 uh, in away games. And so, so many of these teams are going to be in a situation they're not used to where they're playing on the, uh, we're not playing at home. They're in a neutral side. It's going to be different for them. Yeah, I got to agree. This is a, a big 12 conference that is just beat up on each other all season long. So, you know, I think it's going to be hard for us to necessarily pick a dark horse in this one because you could go with a team at the five seed at Iowa State who, you know, was ranked like as high as ninth this year. So, you know, there's there's hard to sit here and tell you a dark seed. What I can tell you, these games will start on Wednesday and they're going to be unbelievable from start to finish. This is definitely a conference tournament that you're going to want to watch. It will start Wednesday and finish Saturday uh, with the championship game. So, you know, this is going to be a really interesting game or excuse me, uh, tournament for these tournaments, Golly, sorry, for these teams. And so I think that the matchup that first jumps off the board at me is Baylor, Iowa State. I know that they just played the other day on Saturday and it was a real um, disappointing matchup for Baylor in that one. They fell to Iowa State uh, in a game that. You know, we had come on the airwaves and said that we didn't think it was going to be even close. We thought Baylor would run away with it. This is a really, really good Baylor team. And so to lose that game was definitely disappointing. So I think it's going to be important for Baylor to take that game and almost make a statement of Iowa State and say, listen, we're not bad. We're really, really good. And we're here to win this tournament. Yeah, um, Iowa State was a team that did more than just skid um, for a little while. It really really was a... um, a snowball effect um, for, for them. They they were kind of the opposite. I talked about Vanderbilt being really good in February and March, and, and Iowa State um, had, if I'm, if I'm counting correctly, um, two wins going into that game against Baylor yesterday. And so this is a team that was just very cold, and that win might just 
be enough to propel them. That was a big win on the road. Um, and then the matchup that I like a lot, too, is the 3-6 here. Um, Kansas State, TCU. Um, man, th there's just good matchups from top to bottom here. Um, it's really hard to look at this and, and know um, who, who the heavy favorite is. A lot of times when you look at um, a, a conference before the bracket comes out, you say, um, well, Kansas has been the best team for almost all of the year. Um, they've been dominant up, up until really this this game against Texas. They've kind of been the team in this conference. They've been the premier team. And then I look at their their road to the championship, and to me, it almost looks tougher than a, than a team like Texas or or a team like Kansas State or TCU. Uh, you know, usually the one seed you would say has the easier road, but in this conference that is so loaded, um, the the one through eight uh, or really the one through seven, I should say, are are all. Um, Really, really good teams. I mean, really, from top to bottom, it's a good conference. But um, th these top six or seven teams are all really, really good. And so, um, and most of the time, you want to be playing that four or five in second in the second game if you're if you're a Kansas team. But that four or five are, are teams that have been top ten teams this year. So there's no easy road in, in, in this this bracket. Um, there's really no easy path to get into the championship. You're going to have to go through a good team. You're going to have to be able to win big games. Uh, dominate big moments and, and really just um, you're going to see what team has the best leadership. Um, I think this, this conference tournament has the most implications on the real um, national tournament, just because the teams that perform well in this, um, in, in this tournament, I, I think is going to translate well for the national tournament. I got to agree. And I think another thing it's going to have a big effect on is seeding. I mean, you've got teams like, West Virginia, who is sitting at the eight seed right now, who's a bubble team. Uh, I mean, this is just a conference that you could potentially have two number two seeds out of this conference, a number one seed, a three seed, a five seed, a seven seed. But it also depends on who wins. And just to show you guys how good this conference really is, Oklahoma, the very last team in this conference right now, sitting at the 10th spot, beat TCU on Saturday by 14 points. And you might think, okay, well, TCU is the six. Well, TCU is also 22nd in the country right now. Okay. Big time deal. You also look at a team like West Virginia who beat the three seed Kansas state by a final score of 89 to 81 on Saturday. So this is just a top to bottom, unbelievable conference. So it's really difficult for me to sit here and pick a dark horse and pick a favorite. However, I will pick a dark horse in TCU. I think TCU with Mike Miles is a really good team. And I know you're making a face at me because I probably just stole your pick. But um, I think this is a TCU team that is really, really good. I think when they're playing the good kind of physical basketball that they like to do, they go on the road and beat Kansas at home by by almost triple digits, it felt like. Uh, they just dominated that game. And I think that when they're playing the right basketball at the right time, they could beat anybody. Yeah, and I hate it for the Horned Frog fans out there. Um, I, I really th – there's no other team in this conference that I look <laughs> at and say they're not properly seated. Um, I think Iowa State at the five is kind of reliant on that beginning of the year. Um Kind of the opposite, like I talked about, like the opposite of Vanderbilt. Um, they didn't really fight for that that five seed. It was more so handed to them because of the way they played at the beginning of the year. Um, but TCU has had to scrap for that six seed, and they were a team that was just dominant. They, they were not dominant because this conference, there's no real, there's no true dominance. But they were the best, <laughs> one of the best teams in the country. Um, with when they had Mike Moss Jr., they lose their guy, there's their their leading scorer, their star player, their their centerpiece. And they start losing games. 
And that's to, that's to be expected. And so they get him back. You're kind of thinking, well, how do they gel with him back on the court now? Um, are they able to still compete? Is he able to to, to provide for them um, in a way that he's been able to for most of the year? And, and the answer was was pretty pretty much yes. Um, they still struggled a little bit. That there's going to be stumbling blocks a little bit. Um, but they, they've been a really good team with him back on the court. And he, their their team being at a six, um, where I think in, in most any other conference they're they're a two or a three, um, at worst. So TCU is a team that I think definitely makes some noise in this. Um, in this conference, but I'm picking them as my dark horse mainly because um, they're the only team that I feel like is better than their seating um, than their seating shows. Um, but when I look at this bracket, I really think that the easiest road there's there's no easy road. I've already said that, but the easiest road to me looks like it's Texas. Um, I, I think they they have the best chances of getting the championship, and, and so for that reason, I'm gonna pick them to win it. Um, that's not me saying that they're the best team in this conference. That's not me saying that um, they, they could be, you know, anybody in the country because, you know, we, we talked about this team being, or this conference being the best in the country. Um, just because that's the case doesn't mean that the winner of this conference is the best team in the country. Um, they might be. They might not be. We don't know. Um, but I, I think Texas has uh, an easier path than, than a Kansas. They have an easier path to me than a, than a Kansas State or, or a Baylor. And, and so I like them winning it just – solely because of um, the way their bracket shapes up in, in my eyes. Yeah, I got to agree. Texas is a really good team. And, and you know, it's kind of tough for us to sit here and say which team has an easier road because, you know, either way you're going to get a really, really tough game out of that that kind of play-in game on Wednesday. You're going to have an even tougher game on Friday and Saturday. One team that I almost feel like, and I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel like Baylor is kind of speaking to me right now. I think that they're a really good team. Um, you know, I am a little hesitant in picking Baylor just because they've been inconsistent this year and they will have to play a Kansas team that has kind of had their number at points. Um, but on the topic of Kansas, I mean, I know I picked them to win the national championship. I just don't necessarily feel the best about picking them to win the Big 12 because I just feel like at, at this point, every team has played each other and, and teams kind of know that when you can limit Kansas – to scoring the basketball from a bunch of different people, it they can struggle. And so I think a team like Baylor could take advantage of that. A team that could take advantage of that is also Iowa State. Um, I really would not be shocked just because of how uh, tough Iowa State is on defense to to limit the Jayhawks. So I'm going to pick Baylor. For, for some reason, I'm picking Baylor. I feel like for some reason that's just speaking to me right now. So I'm going to go with Baylor. Um, they've got a really, really good – uh, a couple guards out there in, in Cryer and Keontae George. So this is going to be a, a motivated Baylor team coming off the backs of that Iowa State loss. I know that at one point about a week ago, we were sitting here saying this was one of the best teams in the country. So I, I think that that shows this upcoming week, and, and that's going to be uh, the reason that I, I think that they'll get by Kansas and, and eventually probably Texas uh, in that championship game. Yeah, the reason I didn't pick Kansas is because I'm scared for that Baylor matchup. Um, I, I think Baylor's most likely going to beat Iowa State. Um, but the, what's what's terrible about this conference for me and you, um, we like to give our predictions. We like to say what we think is going to happen. Um, and, and in this conference, like we're gonna we're giving our takes. We're gonna say what we think is going to happen. And um, Baylor could lose on Thursday, and Texas could lose on Thursday, and I wouldn't be shocked by it. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be terribly surprised. Um, and, and that's the hard thing with this conference. Um, 
But the other ones, I'm more confident in saying um, who I think has a good chance. And this one, um, you know, there, there's 10 teams. I think the – I think for me personally, I feel like Texas has like a, a 16% chance and everybody else is like just blow them a little bit. And, and it adds up somehow a little bit of math. I don't know. But um, I feel like Texas <laughs> has, has the best odds of winning this at like 16% and everybody else is just a little bit below that. Like anybody could win this conference. Um, and, and so – I'm picking Texas for for similar reasons that you're picking Baylor. I think Baylor's a really good team um, that, that has the ability to beat Kansas. And I think Texas has the easier road. Yeah, I kind of agree. This is a conference that, unlike any conference in the country this year, I would not be shocked to see the last team in in the tournament or excuse me in the conference go and run. I really would not be shocked to see Oklahoma win a couple games and find themselves in a, in a championship. So you know this is going to be it's a really really tough conference to pick. I'm sitting here questioning my Baylor pick, but at the same time, like I'm not confident in picking anybody else. So I'm going to go with the Bears. I'm picking with my gut here. Um, you know this is just such a loaded conference. Like we mentioned, when when the the third worst team in your conference is fighting to get into the national tournament, you're having a really really good year. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the national champion is going to necessarily come out of this conference. Um, I think that they're going to have a really really good shot to have maybe even two teams get in that final four for a national championship. This is going to be an unbelievable tournament. And these games will get started on Wednesday and will finish on Saturday. We're going to move into the Pac-12 now. Another tournament that is kind of interesting in its setup. You've got UCLA at the one, Arizona at the two, Oregon at the, or excuse me, USC at the three and Oregon at the four. Those are the only teams that will get a first round by uh, the games will start on Wednesday. The Pac-12 is a kind of a tournament that's been overlooked by a lot of people so far this year. Yeah, um, it's been a relatively down year for them, honestly. Um, it's a conference that is usually we'll see four or five, six teams that are, um, you know, ranked or or making the tournament and, and teams that, you know, you usually see them sitting around, you know, they have, they'll probably have a two through seven seed and they have multiple guys in there and, this year, they don't really have that same firepower that we're used to seeing. I mean, uh, Washington State is is sitting at that um, that five seed for them, and, and Washington State's uh, one game above five hundred overall in the year. Um, just kind of uh, an average all across the board conference. They remind me a, a little bit of of the ACC, but a little bit worse, um, where there are a lot of even teams. I feel like that's kind of the case, but. Uh, this conference definitely has those two top dogs that seem like the the clear front runners in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious pick in this one is UCLA or Arizona. Um, but, you know, on the topic of kind of a dark horse team, Arizona State has been really, really good this year. They they are uh, 20 and 11 on the year right now. They did beat Arizona on a half court buzzer beater not too long ago. Uh, they played USC pretty close. Um, losing by only three points on the road. So I'm going to go with Arizona State as my dark horse team. It, it's tough to pick a dark horse team in this conference just because of how good the number one and number two teams are. And honestly, USC at the three is also a really good basketball team. Uh, they shoot the three ball really well. They play uh, pretty aggressively on offense. So I think I'm going to go with Arizona State as my dark horse team. But I also look at a team like Utah who could potentially cause some problems for a team like number two, Arizona uh, just because of the way they play uh, the basketball. Yeah, I um I like the Arizona State pick. Um, they're a team that has a lot to play for. They're on the bubble right now. 
Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty avid on, on watching the bubble watch um, just because Clemson's right there. And so I know I'm, I'm pretty um, familiar with a lot of these teams that are right there on the bubble. And Arizona State's one of them that went over Arizona was huge for them. And um, they they've been a team that's really been competing for, for a while now. And um, being on the bubble um, really is going to make them want to play a little bit harder. I feel like if they can just beat uh, Oregon State and then, you know, if they can manage to beat USC, um, then they're probably in the tournament. So they're playing for that spot in the tournament, it feels like. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I was just picking on Washington State um, for, for being one game above 500 on the year, and that's um, and that, that put them at the five seed. But as I'm saying that, I'm also going to pick them as my dark horse. Um, whenever there's a lower seed that's been fighting to get that – a five's not terribly low, but in a 12-team conference, you know, five's not the best you could be. And they, they've been fighting to get there, and that always – uh, encourages me, but they they've won six straight, um, second longest winning streak in this conference, and and being hot at the right time is how you make noise in March. Um, Washington State, in my opinion, if they can get past Cal, would have a favorable matchup with Oregon. Uh, I'm not I'm not huge on Oregon this year, um, and so I, I think Washington State could be a team that we're looking at playing on Friday in the semifinal, um, but. I, I think it, it's almost too easy to pick UCLA in this conference. Um, when you're going into conference tournament play with a, a double-digit winning streak, um, I know I've, I've mentioned winning streaks a lot in this episode, but they really do matter in conference play or conference tournament play. And um, being as hot as UCLA is, it, it's, it almost feels criminal for me to not pick them to win this conference. Um, they don't have the toughest – matchups I feel like I feel like um, favorable matchups is a big thing as well and I don't see anybody that poses a huge threat to them um, really until the championship um, uh, it really would depend on who's hot and, and and who wins the games that they would be playing against but when, when I look at Washington Colorado Oregon Washington State Cal I, I'm not sold on any of those teams being able to keep up with UCLA um, they've been so good for so long this season um, and I'm just – I feel like it'd be wrong of me to, to not pick UCLA here. Yeah, I mean, I think UCLA is by far the best team in this conference. I'm going to roll with Arizona just to avoid the curse getting us um, because I, I would really hate for that to be the reason somebody doesn't necessarily get the seed they deserve. This is a UCLA team, though, that has been dominant all year long. They have that one blunder to Arizona, and so I think Arizona will – um review the game tape because they did play pretty well in ucla on saturday so i think that they'll be looking to um one up the bruins if they do get to uh face each other in that final game on saturday but i i really do i don't think that anybody's going to be able to compete with arizona ucla regardless of of seeding and win records i, I just don't think that if they do it's a one-off and, and it doesn't mean that that team is better than than these two teams but sometimes in basketball, you just get crazy things that happen. It's March. It's called March Madness for a reason. But I am going to roll with Arizona as my pick. Like I said, um, this is a really good Wildcats team that I think has been underrated for most of the year. They've got a guy in Tubelis who can score the ball in bunches at will, seems like. So I think that Arizona will probably get USC again. They dominated USC not too long ago and a pretty convincing win on the road in California. So I am I feel pretty confident in Arizona getting to 
the the conference championship game, but then that that game against UCLA is going to be very very competitive. I think it's going to be very good, and the winner of that game will definitely deserve whatever seed they get in the national tournament. Yeah, no doubt. And um, you know, I don't know how many teams can say this. Uh, I'm not a. Uh, I don't have all the knowledge in the world about all the. Um, number one seeds in all the conference tournaments, but um, UCLA has two losses in conference play this year um, to Arizona and USC, the two and three seed. Um, they, they're not losing games they shouldn't lose. They're, they're winning against teams that they're better than, and they're um, they're not really losing a lot to these good teams. You know, USC and Arizona are both really good teams, and and UCLA um, played competitive with both of them. Um, they won on that tiny tiny skid where they lost back-to-back games to both those guys and they haven't lost since but they hadn't really looked back since and um that's really impressive to me and, and we talked about them a lot a long time ago when the um ucla and arizona first game that that happened we predicted the game and everything we talked about them and um I, i've talked a lot um about what i think makes up the the best teams in the country and i think to be a champion i think it really takes some senior leadership and it takes some some really good young talent i think it's a, it's a combination and I said it then, and I'll say it again now. UCLA has that mixture very well. They have um, their, their three leading scorers are all upperclassmen um, with uh, Jaquez Jr. and and, um, and Jalen Clark and Tiger Campbell. They're uh, two seniors and a junior, and then they have Amari Bailey, who's a who's a freshman, and then David Singleton um, is another senior that's playing really well for them. And then uh, uh, Adam Bona um, is also a freshman, so that they have these these experienced guys that me and you talked about earlier have been here for 18 years. They've been there since I was in elementary school and they're still playing college basketball and they're still dominating. Um, and then there's these other guys that are, that are young, um, that are our age that are just really, really talented basketball players. And um, I think that's really what, what it takes to, to be a good team. And UCLA's got that. And that's why I'm so confident in UCLA. Um, and the more I talk about them, the less likely they are to win the uh, Pac-12 championship. So, yeah, we better stop before we really get both of these two teams. I think that, you know, UCLA is the pick. I really do. I'm picking Arizona, like I mentioned, just to kind of avoid the curse and to give some flavor to this. But I think that UCLA is one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country. Like I mentioned, they could be the number one overall team going into uh, these tournaments. And so I think that there's a lot to play for if you're UCLA. You feel almost disrespected without being disrespected as far as rankings go, just because you haven't gotten the national attention that you deserve. You haven't gotten the recognition that you deserve. And so UCLA is going to be looking to make a statement, I think, in this Pac-12 tournament. Um, And it's going to be really exciting to see. These games will start on Wednesday and finish on Saturday um, starting with with some pretty interesting matchups that, you know, sometimes those those lower games can be uh, just absolute firecrackers and they'll finish with probably a really, really good game between UCLA and Arizona. We're going to move into the Big Ten now, a Big Ten that seems like nobody wants to be any good in it. You, you've got teams that are losing to teams that they just shouldn't lose to. Maryland lost the game today that they shouldn't have lost to. Uh, I know Purdue escaped, Indiana escaped as well. Um, this is a conference where you've got Purdue at the one, uh, Northwestern at the two, Indiana at the three, and Michigan State at the four. Those games will begin on Wednesday with some lower-level teams. You've got uh, Ohio State taking on Wisconsin and Nebraska taking on Minnesota on Wednesday, and they will kind of filter out from there. Thomas, this is a Big Ten, though, that 
you know, I want to feel confident in picking Purdue, but I just don't feel confident in them. Yeah, I, I've been not necessarily low on Purdue, but um, I, you know, I think the first time you asked me who I would pick as the champion, I think I told you it was going to be Purdue. Um, and they're still a really good team, uh, 26 and five on the year. But all five of those losses have been kind of recent. They've been struggling as of late. Um, even recently, um, they, they were on a little bit of a winning streak. Uh, they won two in a row, and both of those games were uh, against Wisconsin by two and Illinois by five. They're not really winning convincingly. Uh, before that, they lost to, to Indiana. Um, they, they feel like I feel like this team is just kind of falling apart later in the year. Um, but luckily for them, they're in a conference that is just full of what seems to be um, just middle of the pack um, teams. Uh, everybody's beating up on each other. Uh, there are. Uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, I think six teams here or, or five or six teams here that have 11 wins um, in conference that are just sitting at um, just, just you know, a little bit above 500. And um, Michigan State um, actually, due to the, the tragic incidents that happened there, didn't play one of their games um, against Minnesota. And so they have 11 wins and eight losses where um, – they, they get that four seed um, kind of because that game wasn't played almost because um, they, they have that one last loss than all these other teams that are 11 and nine. Um, so Michigan State, you know, while they're the four seed, I don't know if they're necessarily the fourth best team in this conference. Um, so many of these teams uh, really below the top three, I feel like are all pretty similar in, in talent and it just kind of fell to um, who won the head-to-head -head matchups. And, so I'll start with my dark horse here. Um, I feel like Michigan is a team at that eight seed where I wouldn't be shocked to see them at, at the four. Um, they, like I said, there's so many teams right here that have 11 wins. Um, they're sitting at the eight seed, but they have the same amount of wins as Michigan State, who's the four seed. And, and Michigan's been a team that has um, lost competitive games this year. Um, they, they've, they've played against really good teams competitively. We saw earlier today they – they went uh, to OT with Indiana, and they lost by two early in the year. But they lost to Indiana at home by one. Um, they, they beat Northwestern uh, pretty handily earlier in the year twice, um, and, and they played Purdue close. Um, I feel like this team's kind of just been unlucky in a few games, and that's why they're sitting at the eight seed and, and not sitting at, you know, a, a really a two or a three. Yeah, I got to agree. Michigan is a team that, you know, historically is just so good on offense. I think it's going to be interesting to see how these teams kind of stack up against each other. And, you know, you've got a, a Michigan team playing a Rutgers team, though, that is a good basketball team. They beat Purdue earlier this year. So I definitely agree. Michigan is a solid uh, dark horse pick. You know, I, I think they'll play Purdue really hard if they can get past Rutgers. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Maryland as my dark horse pick. And I'm, I'm kind of hesitant in picking Maryland because they were one of the hottest teams in the country there for a little while, uh, but they've lost back-to-back -back games. So I'm a little hesitant in picking them. However, this is a Maryland team that is is really, really strong. They scored the basketball really well. Um, I, I know that they've lost their last two games to Ohio State and Penn State, but if you go back to February, they only lost one time. They, they just kind of beat up on everybody they played. And it's not like they didn't play nobody's. They did beat a Purdue team at that point in time by double digits. Uh, so this is a, a, a very good Maryland basketball team that I think could um, potentially get past 
um, whoever they get in that Minnesota-Nebraska game and cause Indiana some real problems. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's just so many teams here that, you know, I, I've been talking about it a lot, that I, I like to pick teams that are hot, and there's really not a hot team here. There's more teams that are just kind of getting by um, than, than dominating. Um, and, and even though Purdue has that uh, three-game lead for that one seed, um, they have five losses, and, and you just don't see that in any conference, really, where the top team has such a stranglehold on that top spot, and yet they're um, not crazy dominant. You know, they, they've lost five games in conference, um, and, and the next best teams have lost eight games in conference. Um, so so much middle of the pack, it feels like, um, that it's hard to look at this and say, that any team really has a clear advantage. Um, it's kind of the opposite to me of the Big 12, where Big 12, everybody's so good that we have no idea who's who's really got the ability to win the whole thing. Um, but here it's like everybody's so eh that it's hard to pick who's going to be the best team. Um, and I guess if I had to choose, um, I, I'd have to go with Indiana. Um, I, I feel like Indiana has been able to win the big game pretty consistently um, recently. Beating Purdue twice is nothing to scoff at. Um, they've lost some games that they shouldn't, which scares me about them. They've played some teams closer than they should have, which scares me about them. But I think all in all, they have the ability to play with the best of the best. I, I think when, whenever Jackson Davis is playing his best, that he's one of the best players in this conference. He, he's right there with Zach Eady for, for, you know, probably the top player in the conference. And, I watched them earlier today, and he he's just a, a force to be reckoned with. And so I, I think he he has enough in the tank to get them to the championship. And then if they have to play Purdue again, I, I'm just – they have Purdue's number this year, and I think that's going to stay the same. I'm still not sold on Purdue. Their lack of ability – their lack of um, scoring for stretches of the game is something that still scares me. Um, and so I think if I had to pick right now, I'd pick Indiana. Yeah, it's a safe pick and, and a smart pick. You know, we, we've mentioned before that I think Indiana is a good basketball team and in a, in a tournament format, I think they could be really good. I'm going to make a pick here that's kind of a surprise to a lot of people because you would sit here and go, okay, well, he picked Indiana, so you'll pick Purdue. No, actually, I'm going to go with Northwestern. Northwestern is a team that I think has been kind of um, underappreciated by a lot of people this year. They beat uh, Indiana and Purdue earlier this year in back-to-back -back games. Now, they did follow that up by losing two games in a row. However, this is a Northwestern team that that is just proven to to be able to win games. They're sitting at 21-10. and 10. Uh, They're pretty much a lock to get into the tournament. Uh, I'm going to go with Northwestern just because I think that they'll be able to get past Penn State or Illinois, whoever wins that game. And then I think that they'll have enough for Indiana to be able to get past. And I, I feel confident in the fact that Purdue is inconsistent at best. And, and so I, I'm going to roll with uh, Northwestern as my pick to win the the Big Ten this year. Yeah, Northwestern team that's kind of going, that's kind of flown under the radar, really. Um, you You think of the premier teams in this conference this year and you don't, they think of Northwestern, um, but but here they are sitting at that two seed with um, with just wins over some of the best teams in this conference. And I think it's really interesting. Me and you sit here and talk about this conference, and and I will stand by this, even with this fact that I'm about to bring up. I, this conference has not been good all year. Um, they have so many middle-of-the-pack teams, it feels like. And yet I look at the most recent bracketology. They had the most teams in. 
they have 10 teams. Um, Big 10 has 10 teams in, and that seems absurd. I'm looking at, I'm looking at you right now, and you're very shocked. Um, I can't believe that. They have that many teams, and then they have teams that are also just on the bubble. Um, teams like um, you've got Penn State, Wisconsin at 12 seed in this conference are are on the bubble. This is the 10 and 12 seed in this conference are on the bubble. Um, Michigan is on the bubble as well. Um, you just wouldn't expect to see that in this conference. Um, and it, it's shocking that a team that – or a conference to me that has been middle of the pack all year, this is the same conference that lost the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And yet we're looking at ACC, who's got five teams. So I don't know where the love of the Big Ten comes in. I don't know why they get so much more respect than the ACC. And this is not me trying to, you know, flip the Clemson narrative. This is me just unbiased looking at it. The ACC beat them in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. The head-to-head, the ACC was better this year. And then you look at the standings in these conferences, and I think they're very similar. From top to bottom, there's a lot of, teams that really aren't dominant in this in either of these conferences. There's teams that have been kind of just um, similar caliber level teams. And yeah, the ACC has five teams, whereas the Big Ten is getting the nod with 10. I don't know if that's some previous season bias or what it is, but I don't, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, first off, I got to say that I'm shocked. I really am. This is a, a Big Ten conference that has been mediocre at best all year long. Um, I'm really not impressed with any of their teams. I would have said a week ago, or excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, that Purdue was probably the best team in the country. However, I'm sitting here, and, I, and I, I'll give it to them. Listen, I think Purdue and Indiana and honestly Northwestern are some pretty good basketball teams, and they could make a deep run. But I also don't I don't think that a team like Iowa sitting at a five seed should necessarily get in, especially over a team like, like Clemson or, or some of these other bubble teams that are sitting there. I mean, you, you've got teams that are going to be at-large bids, like either a Hofstra or a College of Charleston, that I necessarily think should probably get in over a Big Ten team. And, and I know that they won't because you've got that kind of Big Ten bias just because historically the Big Ten is really good. But uh, that is really, really surprising to me that they do have 10 teams in. I would not have expected that. Honestly, I'd give me all 10 of the Big 12 teams over 10 teams in, in the Big 10 just because I think the Big 12 is better than the Big 10 if we should do um, a Big 12, Big 10 challenge. But that's really surprising to me. Um, definitely not what I expected to hear coming from a conference that has just been um, lackluster. Let's call it what it is, lackluster all year long. They've been disappointing. And so maybe – we could be sitting here having a different conversation in a couple of weeks and you and I look like idiots because the big Ten's got three teams in the elite eight, but I would be pretty surprised to see that happen. And I would be even more surprised to see if those three teams weren't Purdue um, Northwestern and Indiana. So that's really surprising to me. I would like to see kind of the breakdown of teams that are getting in and not getting in because of that, but um, definitely not what I expected to hear. Yeah. And I mean, bracketology is not a perfect science, um, but I, I just I don't understand how teams like Wisconsin and Penn State are are part of the last four in right now. Um, I, I don't see how you can be a 12 seed in your conference tournament, um, no matter what you did out of conference, really. Um, if you're a 12 seed out of a 14 team conference, um, I don't see how you're in over a three seed um, like like Clemson. I I I've been watching the bubble, like I've said, and Wisconsin and Penn State are both teams that are 
um, currently last four in. So it depends on how they do in their in the conference tournament. Uh, a lot really um, surprisingly rides on what happens in this conference tournament. Uh, a lot of these teams have uh, a chance to cement themselves as a team in the tournament. Um, like I just mentioned, Wisconsin, Penn State on the bubble. Teams that they, they, if they can get a few wins, they're definitely in. Um, whether or not we think they should be or not. Michigan's another team that if they can get a few wins that they're in, that even even if maybe we don't think they, they should. Um, Rutgers, another team that's right there on that bubble. So a, a lot of these teams really um, are playing for a lot in, in this, this conference tournament, um, even though I'll stand by it uh, for, for now unless I get shown up. Uh, this is a conference, like you're saying, it's been lackluster. They have um, a lot to play for in this conference tournament. I agree. There's going to be a lot on the line in this tournament. These games will start on Wednesday and finish on Sunday. That Big Ten championship game is always the very last game that happens right before bracketology. So you are definitely going to want to tune in for that. March Madness is officially here. We take a quick intermission from our conference championship breakdowns to give you a buzzer beater that literally just happened. I'm looking at it on my phone right now. Uh, Northern Arizona just hit a three at the buzzer to beat Eastern Washington. That is the nine seed beating the one. You might ask, why is that even important? Why do I care? Well, you care because Eastern Washington was a team, if you if you remember right, that we named as a potential dark horse to be a Cinderella run team. So uh, March is officially here, Thomas. It's the time of the year that we love. Uh, we got a big number nine seed beating off uh, a number one seed. So that's that's a, just an exciting time there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Easter Washington's actually been a team that um, was undefeated in conference play until two games ago. or They lost the last two regular season games in conference, and then they lose their first game in, in the uh, conference tournament. So, you know, the, the statement we've made um, that, that losing – it's going to breed losing and winning is going to breed losing is true. Um, and it, it stinks for EWU, but you know what? <laughs> Northern Arizona is still dancing. Hey, love to see it. We're going to get into our final conference of, of the day that we're going to break down. And it is the big East. It is officially the power six in basketball because the big East is just so dominant. You've got Marquette at the one seed. You've got Xavier at the two, Creighton at the three, UConn at the four, and Providence at the five. These games will begin on Wednesday and finish on Saturday. You've got some really interesting games on that Wednesday, though. One that kind of jumps off the page at me is Seton Hall and DePaul. You know, Seton Hall typically is a top team in this conference, and DePaul has knocked off some big teams such as Xavier so far this year. So that's going to be an interesting game. The winner of that will play Xavier in in that second round. Yeah, this is a conference that I feel like has been dominated by the top five, um, Marquette, UConn, Providence, Xavier, Creighton. Um, not in that order, but th those have been the best five all year, it's felt like. Um, and, and then the rest kind of has just been there. Um, DePaul did have a few upsets early in, earlier in this year, but they've uh, now lost 12 straight. Um, they're they're probably one of the coldest teams in the country. If we're going to talk about hot and cold, they're probably one of the coldest teams in the country. And yet, um, because we're talking about March Madness, like you just said, uh, we, we just showed a huge upset that just happened. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see DePaul beat Seton Hall. Uh, it, it really wouldn't surprise me too much. It's March. That, that kind of stuff happens. Um, but but this conference, like I said, has been a top five heavy conference all year. And it's interesting to me that um, the, the top five get that first round by and then the bottom five. <laughs> it's kind of it kind of works out perfectly almost for, for this conference. But um, I'll start with my dark horse, um, Villanova a team that got hot for the end of this year, a team that's been historically 
one of the best teams um, in this conference, one of the best teams in college basketball. They're a blue blood. It's a down year for blue bloods across the country, but um, Villanova was was playing that way for most of the year, and then they got hot towards the end. Um, they, they ended up beating Xavier and Creighton um, not too long ago, um, and then their, their hot streak kind of came to an end uh, Saturday or yesterday uh, against Villan or against UConn, sorry. Um, and that game kind of going into this tournament, I, I really thought Villanova was going to be a team that could really make a deep, deep run. That game kind of scares me off a little bit from them. Um, but they've been uh, one of the best teams in this conference through February and into March. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to sit here and try and pick anybody not named Villanova as my dark horse. So I'm going to I'm going to agree with you on the Villanova as my dark horse as well. I just think that this is a Villanova team that, you know, we're used to seeing Nova play for national championships. And, and I know Jay Wright retired and and that's a big difference in as far as. You know, we mentioned that how important a coach is, especially at this time of the year when the games are so close. They do have a really easy first round game against Georgetown, though. I think that they'll take full advantage of that. And I really would not be shocked to see them go and beat a Creighton team that has been inconsistent this year. They started out really, really good. They started out really hot. Um, and, and then towards that January window, they kind of slumped off and and finished stronger towards the end of the year. But I think that Villanova is a team that I would not be shocked to see them find themselves in a semifinal and potentially even in a final to try and take an at-large bid away from somebody uh, because they get that that automatic bid into the tournament by winning the Big East. I'm not sitting here saying that I, I think they're going to do that, but I'm sitting here saying that I really would not be surprised. So I, I definitely agree with that take in Villanova. Yeah, um, I think Villanova, like like we're saying, is just they, they've – got that experience. They know how to play the big games. They know how to play these conference tournament games, these, these tournament games that it's all on the line. And I think that's going to hold true. Um, but I, I think probably the best quarterfinal game um, is looking like the UConn Providence one, um, the four or five matchup. Like I said earlier, this conference has been dominated by, by the one through five. And these are two teams that um, for most of the year, uh, they kind of have different storylines. I feel like Providence was a team not too long ago that, uh, we talked about playing for that two seed. Um, that, that Xavier Providence game felt like one um, where Providence, if they won, could could potentially get that two seed, and that'd be a much easier path for them. Um, but they lose to Xavier at home, and then they finish up their season with a terrible, terrible loss to Seton Hall um, at home, eighty-two to fifty-eight. Um, that loss makes it hard to pick the Friars. Um, and, and so that right there is going to eliminate Providence for me picking uh, for a champion here. Um, and then um, Creighton, you, you mentioned that uh, you think Villanova has the ability to beat Creighton just because they're uh, wishy-washy a little bit. They're not the most consistent team in the country. And uh, I, I agree with that. Um, this is a Creighton team that I feel like has relied too much on playing at home. Um, that They're a team that really – that I feel like they win a few games, they lose a few games, win a few games, lose a few games, and it's hard to get a good read on them. And so for me, that's going to kick out the three. Um, and then there's three teams from there that I, that I feel like really have a good chance, and it's Marquette, UConn, and Xavier. And I think I'm going to narrow it down personally to Marquette and UConn. Um, I, I think the winner of that game in the semifinal is the team that takes home the, the tournament. Um, they're the two hottest teams in this conference. UConn is a team that I feel like while they're still ranked highly in the uh, in the 
rankings. They're number 14 in the country. I feel like they've been underrated recently. Um, UConn deservedly fell on the rankings after they lost. That They went on a huge uh, skid there um, in, in February. It felt like they, or at the end of January and into February, it felt like they couldn't get a win to save their life. And then they said they turned things around. Um, they, they lost to Creighton, fifty-three to fifty-six, and then they go. They beat Seton Hall. They beat Providence. They beat St. John's. And now in March they beat DePaul and Villanova. Um, these aren't the most impressive wins in the world, but they're wins nonetheless in a good conference. Um, and UConn also uh, beat Marquette in February, so that they can compete with the big dogs in this conference. UConn. Um, I think they've gotten some things figured out now. Um, whereas a few a few weeks ago, I was kind of worried about them. Now I'm I'm leaning towards UConn being the premier team in this conference. Um, I I, I kind of struggle picking who's going to win between those two teams. Uh, Marquette has been just the most consistent team in this conference all year. It feels like, um, and when I look at their season series, um, Marquette won at home and UConn won at home. So it's it's really hard to, to choose. But uh, I think I'm going to stick with UConn. I think it's too easy to pick Marquette here. Um, but really and truly, I could see either of these teams um, making that championship game. Definitely agree with that take. I think UConn is a team that could potentially be a lower seed in the tournament as far as the national tournament goes and, and could get some pretty big upsets. You think about UConn, they were ranked as high as number two in the country earlier this year before losing a couple games in a row. And we covered them. And one of those games that they lost is Xavier. And I'm picking Xavier. And I think it's kind of funny that you uh, kind of X them out as of your uh, your final prediction just because I, I thought they were going to win. And so I, I'm rolling with Xavier. This is a Xavier team that has beaten big-time teams. Um, you know, we picked Providence together against Xavier and I kind of promised myself in that moment that I was not going to pick against Xavier again because I actually had kind of rolled with Xavier every time we had picked them so far this year. And I'm going to roll with them again. This is a really good Xavier team that I think, um, you know, that their one loss to Marquette was on the road. It, it was a really close game. I believe it was two points, if I remember right. So um, that, that's an exciting matchup that I think will be really, really competitive. And, but I do got to agree with you on the UConn Marquette. I, I think that those are two of the premier conference, or excuse me, two teams in college basketball this year. And, and outside of this this conference and, and the firepower that it, it normally provides, I think that UConn and Marquette are two teams in the tournament that teams would be really scared to play. Um, I think that they could cause some real noise. And you've got Marquette now to where if they win out, they could be a one seed. And I don't think anybody would be too shocked for that. Um, this is a really well-coached team. You know, you, you got Shaka Smart as their head coach, and anywhere Shaka Smart goes, he wins basketball games. And so uh, I think Marquette is, is a good team, but I think Xavier just has too much in this one and, and can get past teams like UConn, Creighton, Villanova, uh, Marquette, and maybe even a Providence team as well. Yeah, Xavier's a great pick. Um, if, you, if you didn't notice, when I was saying what teams I think had a chance, um, I, I – mentioned that I think it's going to come down to Marquette and UConn, and I gave reasons for most everybody else. I didn't really give a reason for Xavier. I don't really have much of a reason for Xavier. They're a really good team. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes you look at the bracket and you just have that feel. Um, and uh, I really, there's not much for me differentiating these top, the, the, my, my top three here in Marquette, UConn, and Xavier. Um, I mean, Marquette has been the better team all year. UConn's been hot recently. And Xavier is kind of just they're Xavier. They're, they're, they're going to do their thing. 
They, they, they've slipped up a few times this year in games that they shouldn't have, and they've played a lot of close games this year. Um, I feel like they've been in a lot of high-scoring battles, a lot of battles that went down to the end. They have a lot of nail-biters, um, and I think that experience definitely plays into their hand. Um, I've talked about that before um, in games that, um, that they've won close games or um, even if they've lost a close game, I've said um, maybe um, – you know, come conference tournament time, come national tournament time, that plays into their hand. They've, they've got experience in those games. They know how to handle the situation. So Xavier's definitely a great pick there. Yeah, I think that this is a Xavier team that has just been tested all year long. They've they've won the big game. They've lost the big game. But, you know, a lot of people will sit there and tell you that you can learn more from a loss and you can't win. And I think this is a Xavier team that has taken their losses on their chin and, and just kept on going. And so, I think that they are a primed team for this time of the year. I think that they're playing really, really good. They've got a guy uh, and a guard in, uh, in Boehm who is just unbelievable. He can get a shot from anywhere on the floor. I'm really, really excited to see exactly how this Big East tournament plays out. I think that this could be one of the better conference tournaments, honestly, um, from top to bottom, just because of how many teams I think could actually win it. You, you could sit here and I could make an argument for one through six to to make a a, a run in this tournament and, and win the win the whole thing on, on Saturday. So uh, you guys are definitely going to be wanting to to tune into these. These games will start on Wednesday and then we'll finish on Saturday. Um, always a really exciting tournament out there in Madison Square Garden in the Big East. That is going to do it, my friends, for the episode today. Uh, Thomas and I are very, very appreciative of you guys keeping tuning in. Um, and just on a little side note, as long as we get two listens on this episode, we will have reached the 500 listen mark. Um, Thomas and I could not be any more proud of that. We could not be any more thankful for you guys. Uh, we're, we're halfway to a thousand. Um, I know that we don't plan on slowing down at any point in time. And, and if anything, we plan on speeding up and continuing to go well. Um, and, and I know that we've kind of slacked off on the, uh, next gen tigers, Gamecocks and gobblers podcast. We apologize for that. This is just, um, a really chaotic time of the year for college students with, with midterms and everything. So, I uh, just ask that you guys kind of bear with us as we're getting that solved and we're getting the kinks worked out so that we could give you guys the absolute best content imaginable. So speaking of next gen tigers, Thomas, how's that going, bud? It's going good. Um, you know, me and Mike have both been pretty busy recently. Uh, I said that in the last episode and I'll say it again. Uh, it's just, a, it's a crazy time for college students. Um, you know, it seems like one week I have multiple exams next week. He has multiple exams and it can get kind of difficult to, to get the episodes out, but um, we are doing our best to cover it. Um, we're, we're making, uh, we're, we're talking about the games as they go on, uh, on, on the Twitter. So find us at Next Gen Tigers on Twitter. You can see, keep us, uh, see us keep up with softball, baseball, basketball. Um, and then we're really watching those games in depth for sure. And then we're also, you know, keeping everybody updated on the, on the lesser sports that are kind of harder to find to watch. Um, we're, we're letting the people know what's going on with women's lacrosse, um, but with the, the tennis teams with the golf teams, cross country and track, all that stuff's going on still. And um, we're doing our best to keep up with it. Um, but, you know, we're recording a podcast. It's not always the, the quickest thing in the world. So um, we're, we're struggling to find time right now. But once we get back rolling over there, it's going to be a nonstop flow. Absolutely. Definitely agree with you on on the it's hard to find time with with podcasts. You know, I don't think. Uh, everybody kind of appreciates how much time actually goes into a 30 minute episode. It's probably an hour and a half to two hours of, of work that goes into that. So um, I know that I've experienced similar things over at next gen gobblers and Gamecocks. 
Um, however, I will, I can promise this, that an episode will come out for each of those this week. Um, I can promise you have my word. I know I said that last week, um, but things kind of took a turn on me quick last week. So just kind of bear with me with that. Um, but uh, those will be coming out this week. I can promise you that Hokie fans, Gamecock fans, um, I appreciate your patience and, and kind of bearing with me as we go through this uh, kind of crazy time. But uh, those will be coming out. You can find those on Twitter at NextGenGobblers and at NXTGenGamecock. So uh, make sure you go follow them. They're going to be keeping you up to date on everything Virginia Tech and South Carolina as March continues on. Um, I know that the main podcast as well at Next underscore Gen underscore A-T-H on Twitter and Next underscore Gen underscore Athletics is going to be a little more uh, popular on the Twitterverse this upcoming week. And as the tournament nears, we're going to be really killing that for you guys so that you guys can uh, make sure you're staying up to date on all the games. We'll be posting upsets. Uh, we'll be given kind of score predictions and, and score outcomes as, as games come and go throughout the week. So we're going to be really killing that this upcoming week. So uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter. That is at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. We're definitely more popular on that than we are on Instagram, but the Instagram is really good if you want to stay up to date on when we're posting uh, episodes for the podcast. So uh, those are going to be exciting platforms that you are definitely going to want to follow this upcoming week. As always, I'm your host, Trotter Scares, and as always, Thomas Woods is my wonderful co-host. Have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you guys on Thursday.